David A. Price presents... Hello folks, welcome to Marvel Noise episode 399. I'm your host, Steve Raker, practically glowing here in the comic book bunker from all the rads I'm getting during six weeks of daily blasts to cook the benign but disabling peanut in my head surrounding my vestibular cranial nerve. The scene in Machine is like every sick bay of every sci-fi spaceship you've seen from Star Trek to Star Wars. Marvel Noise is the semi-monthly podcast proudly sponsored by Nobody. Our scope is all things Marvel, with my bias being a particular fondness for and fascination with the Bronze Age of the 70s and early 80s. You can find, listen to, stream, and download episodes past and present over on MarvelNoise.com. There is a handy little calendar-style drop-down menu on the right-hand side to easily navigate past months and years. You can get new episode announcements, give us feedback, and see images and cover galleries on our Facebook and Twitter pages, and find other fine podcasts from that mad thinker, Derek Coward and his Deliberate Noise Network that include Indie Comic Book Noise, our sister show where the guys, and sometimes me, talk indie comics. Item! Last call for the 2022 Baltimore Comic Con on October 28, 29, and 30th. The Baltimore Comic Con's a longtime friend of this podcast, and they put on an awesome comic-centered show full of fantastic comic book creator guests. It's a giant artist alley, true believers. You gotta see this guest list. You can get information and tickets over at the BaltimoreComicCon.com website. Hope to see you in Baltimore. Okay, I've got Andrew the LA Rabbit here, WWX Kevin's in the bunker, and with us is longtime friend of and occasional guest on the show, genial Gary Arkell. How you doing? Welcome to Hot Seat, boys. I'm escaping thought... to the superflow in the space between universes. I thought we were going with Gregarious Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't going to be Gentleman Gary, so... No, just kidding. Before we get to our New Warriors feature, I want to have Gary on here and fire off a few recent reads. You know, in case listeners were hoping for more than a deep dive into an arc of a 90s comic for this episode. Yeah? Sound good? Yeah. Good. All right. I got something. Who do you got? I got something with Andrew, though. We're going to tag team this. I'll believe it when I hear it. (laughs) Uh, The most underrated comic of last year is back. The Defenders. Although this time uh-huh. Defenders Beyond. I have this. I have the first two issues. I think that's I all that's come if, out. I don't I know if I more have come out. Issue. I've got them too. I read the first one and started to read the second one and said, oh no, I'm going to need more time to absorb this. Well, what, what's great about the second issue is after you finish the story, 
they have additional readings for this issue. How many Marvel comics nowadays says, hey, you might want to check out all these other stories? Well, there's another comic you're going to talk about that does that, Kevin. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's not footnotes, but I just thought it was funny. Hey, if you want to see this massive war, hey, if you want to see this story, it's like, I'm like, oh, that's actually handy. I might go actually check those out. I need to read those. That's part of the fun of how invested the writer Ewing is in in the Marvel Universe and comics as he's pulling on these different sources of inspiration and things he's referencing. Why not pass them along? He's enjoying revisiting them. Why, you might, too, you know? I, I feel like he's really become the guy. You know, like Hickman tried pulling on these threads and pulling in all this stuff, and oh, there's this thing, and he created that cosmic thing. I'm like, this he's, is the this is the place to be. You know what he is? He's the cosmic Kurt Busiek. Oh, maybe. He's, he's definitely <laughs> one of those guys, like a Mark Wade or a, or a Grunewald or something. He's just you know draws on the old stuff and spins it into something new without you know trashing it. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely adding to the mythology. Well, I know Kevin's the king of the variant and probably has the Peach Momoko one or whatever, but I like this <laughs> for number one. Like, you get a wraparound cover, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, I don't get a lot of fancy stuff. I'm not like Kevin. So it's nice that just for the regular old us ordinary plebs, we get a fancy. I know they're giving up the the expensive ad space. So I really like when they throw you in a little bonus there. Well, yeah, I, I thought you might want to know about um, the power of light on your Citizen Eco Drive uh, watch. I, I, I think got the, that kind of money. The fact that they did the wraparound cover is just a, you know, just a tease of how much cool design stuff. Like the art's too big for this book. Oh yeah. And, as it goes along at first i thought it was a little bit wonky as i was getting started like it wasn't what i was expecting at first but then i settled into a nice groove and by the time the second issue started it looked like i was gonna like i said i'm gonna need to you know cancel my two o'clock and be able to have some time to sit and enjoy it and you know i have my superstars at marvel list odd rodriguez totally in that superstar category for me oh yeah like i want to see all those crazy places rendered and i want to see like all those 25 panels and panels within panels and like using the medium to like break everything down and and characters like walking in between panels behind panels oh so well, good so good as you as you guys know i'm paper till i die but i, I bet you this looks pretty good digi Especially one is has some kind of a dark night scene, sort of. Or an, Wait, uh, is, it, is it available on, on digital yet? It must be, right? I don't know how long. Um, oh, no, no, last month it came out, so it'll be yeah. it'll be a few months still. Yeah, okay. still a few yeah. months. I don't know. Sometimes Marvel Unlimited is a little wonky. Like sometimes it's only three months, sometimes skirting even two months. But I think sometimes they notice that the publication schedule is exactly monthly, so then they. <laughs> Like they like tighten the reins and everything. Because the second issue, it's a bit brighter, the setting location. So you don't have, I know I've griped about this before, but sometimes with the dark scenes, the printing isn't as, uh, the fidelity isn't quite what I would love. But 
I, Rodriguez is the pole for me in yeah. this. But I think More it's kind of appropriate when you see some of these dark underwater places. And then right beside it is some, like, really bright colors. So I'm thinking it's all pretty intentional. But, yeah, it does get brighter with the with the second issue. And I, I haven't read that many things with, with Blue Marvel. I'm like, has he ever been this cool? Like, I need to read a 50-issue run right now. I'm like, I, I need to know more about this headquarters and the stuff he's been doing. It's funny because I just recently started rereading. I, I ended up getting distracted with vacations, but I started rereading the his original miniseries, oh. which, I had, which I had never read because of the retconiness of it. It was kind of like, you know, the century to me, that kind of a thing. Yeah. But, I, I mean, Ewing, the way he portrayed the character in that Ultimates series was fantastic. I mean, really yeah, good. Yeah, that was very good. I, I guess I got to read that Ultimate series. Oh, so good. And, you know, again, saying like about he how he takes old things and makes them new. And it's not like he's not willing to do Ewing. I mean, he's, it's not like he's not willing to take risks and do like really big things that seem like totally turning things on their heads that but it all ends up working and it's good storytelling. And again, he does it without having to um, fly in the face of what happened in the past. And boy, did he, they find the right, like I said, for me, Rodriguez is the pull on these books, yeah. the translating abstract concepts yes. into cool visuals is a hard pull. I mean, obviously I'm putting my, my man Ditko up there is a guy that did it pretty well, but this stuff is just really fun maximizing what I feel works in comic books better than anywhere else. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess when they make the uh, Marvel movie of this, it'll be a bunch of CGI or something, but <laughs> how can they make a movie be... of this? <laughs> is this connected to the previous series or is this going to be? A yes. Different... Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think you, you need to, I've read it's a, a lot of the the other it's, series. It's a it's a new team. It yeah. just shares this. It just shares the conceit of what the defenders are now. That okay. was established at the end of the old book. That they're, they're like eternity's champions that get called at a time of need, kind of a thing. But and we're not going to see concerned... Baby Galactus in here. Uh, well, maybe. Well, Galactus's mommy is back. Yeah. Right. So there's always a chance. There's always a chance of a flashback to her womb, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but you know what? To take my cosmic Kurt Busiek line and apply it to the visuals, um, Rodriguez is like the cosmic Marcos Martin. How about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right. And that guest at the end, what do you think they're going to do with him? Well, they got the movie coming out, so they need to get him <laughs> back in print. I mean, maybe. But even if they're that, concerned that... about the team members here, I mean, it all works with the story. You're like, that's not really the, the Defenders, but, I mean, Doctor Strange's head shows up. <laughs> <laughs> until they, until they bust on it open. There, and he's like, I just can't get rid of this head. Until someone <laughs> breaks the fishbowl. It's so great. I also enjoyed the kind of we're just going to sort of throw you in in the first issue. I mean, they give up previously on, but they don't do like the 
headshots with the little names under like they're like hold on <laughs> here hold my beer and just jump into <laughs> this thing uh it's fine you know you'll figure it out or you won't or you'll just enjoy the kind of crazy ride i really was excited the first issue really excited me and i liked the cameo at the end was definitely some so a character that needed to be revisited in a fun way i mean look they need to mine the past you know i get why they don't want to create too much new stuff so i don't really mind when they do that you know what i mean like they got to look out for them save all those good ideas for image well <laughs> i don't know if you could use some of these ideas i mean That's he does I mean. have his, com- his his cosmic book elsewhere so if these it's, are the leftover ideas that would only work in the Marvel Universe, like that would well, blow me away. That's just it. This isn't just a cosmic book. It's a Marvel cosmic yeah. book. And and Marvel cosmic is something specific. It's it's Kirby cosmic, you know? He he set up the cosmos and then Gruenwald tweaked it uh, with all their what if stuff and all that business and the backups and how they brought the Eternals and all that stuff into it, it back in the early eighties. Um, because the Marvel not... cosmos is its own thing. It it's is its own I'm, genre. I'm, I'm still putting up for my boy from Pennsylvania, Mr. Stevie D and his <laughs> contributions in those old Dr. Strange books to the, oh, yeah. the idea of how do you depict these kind of forces and abstractions into the artwork and in the second one, my favorite one has to be when they're in this connection of tubes, kind of. <laughs> like it, it seemed like he must have had a lot of fun yeah. constructing. They're in some kind of enormous pipe work, but it's very fantastic and goes on forever. And I'm like, wow, I w- do you like save that and cut little pieces for future panels? <laughs> or do you have to redraw that thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't imagine, like, that's one of those things, like, if the writer is just like, yeah, just have one million tubes in the background. <laughs> and the artist is like, great. I'll get right on that. I'm surprised right. we've, we've gone this long without uh, Steve mentioning Starlin in Cosmic. <laughs> I'm trying to behave. <laughs> <laughs> What's also neat is, is, the, is the backup feature on the second issue also has like hey remember the first series when we showed you all those guys it's like here are their names and everything i was like wait a second like you came up with names for all these extra people that will probably never be seen again well the one in four hulk looks a lot like a copy of one of the ditko self-published yeah i should have looked up the issue number or whatever but he has one with like four faces very similar like that so yeah, I'm sure a lot of those different things are on purpose. Just wild. Wild. Well, should we talk about... So, as Steve said, they're the defenders that help with sort of larger scale problems because the Blue Marvel has set himself up as, like, the guy when reality gets broken, so to speak. Like, really weird stuff. And so, uh, Doctor Strange's disembodied head in a glass jar sort of glass ball floating thing if you've ever been to disney they have a ride with a head floating in a glass jar that reminded me of it and is going to take it and he is somewhat resistant as we saw in the last defenders issue where 
the team didn't really want to get put together. So we have the assembling of the team. Uh, uh, America, Kevin, how did you, I think you're a fan of her, right? Yeah, it's just, I mean, they're using, I assume, the status quo from the just concluding or one more issue to go uh, America series where I guess she was depowered. So, I mean, that's, that, that's always, like, that's a familiar trope, but it's kind of disappointing a little bit in this series that they can't do everything that they're supposed to be able to do. So they're, they're using her in another series that, that came out last week. Yeah. That's on deck, Gary. You're next. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they still punch someone, and it's still pretty spectacular, but I was just like, oh, yeah, that other thing is going on. And then uh, Loki's also part of the team, and Loki's always pretty interesting to have because it's a a wild card. Yeah. Loki can, uh, the use of magic and sort of lateral thinking, I guess you'd say, allows for interesting storytelling possibilities i like that um tigra the werewoman (laughs) Uh i think i think it's cool she's had a there's a character we should do a deep dive on someday steve would love to like what a strange twist and turn she's had yeah in her in her backstory and she's appearing in multiple books right now what's with the dirty feet loki though that one threw me off it's like Hobbit Loki. Hobbit Loki. <laughs> feet Loki. <laughs> Barefoot and, I don't know. Well, I guess Loki. in Jotunheim, they don't wear shoes, Steve. Apparently. That's not cool. Right. Well, he, he was from the Force Giants, isn't he, now? Yeah. Yeah. But this Loki was pulled from a particular reality, right? Yeah. Particularly because they needed the kind of uh, particularly positive but uh i would say anarchic you know you want the kind of madness and craziness that goes with it and then our final character she's from the first series where she debuted right or no yeah yeah okay rounds out the team and so they have to go on this they're assembled via the 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 magic cards and I don't know how to explain the second issue, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so don't. It's too it's too current. Yeah. It's very current, very cosmic, lots of fun. Like the first few times I didn't even read it. I literally just flipped through it, checking it out how cool it looks. But very much rooted in what's going to be a upcoming Marvel cinematic event. A teaser I give. Definitely rooted in the comic books. Oh, man. And that one panel gave me flashbacks to the toys like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Gary. Give us us the other team book. Okay. So last week we got a new Thunderbolts issue. Oh. There we go. Justice like lightning. And um, I, I don't think, did you pick this up, Kevin, and read it? Uh, my, my issue failed to arrive on time, so uh, oh, I will have okay. it. Yeah, we're okay. not familiar with the Thunderbolts around here. <laughs> 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 well, I've been, I, I stopped pre-ordering. Um, 
back in, in 2019 because I was just getting too much. So I, I usually go to try to get to the store every week. And if I don't get to the store, well, then I, I don't buy anything that week. Hmm. So, um, and that way I could control how much I, I get. Yeah. So, um, I hear they're like the suicide squad or something. Well, it, it, there's no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty much, um, a new group. The only one who's an, a, a, a member that was before is Hawkeye. Right. Well, cause this is a, like the status quo for the Thunderbolts was reset in that, what was a devil's reign right. event where Norman Osborn was mayor, right? Or no, Kingpin's mayor. Yeah. And, right. uh, and he set up a, a group to be his enforcers because he, he outlawed superheroes in, in New York city where like yes. all the superheroes are right so he the only superheroes were the sanctioned superheroes and now luke cage's mayor at as of the end of this devil's reign stuff so it's up to him to set up he, he can't change the laws you know it, it's not a, a dictatorship so he can't change the laws that quick it's this that's got to go through the speed of bureaucracy so they're still stuck with this. You're not allowed really to be a superhero and we need a government sanctioned group. And then it's up to him to, and, and fortunately we've seen Luke Cage with the Thunderbolt. So he has some connection right. to yeah. that, that, that comic from the past. I, I just so, wonder what Carla, Abe and Melissa well, and all, all of them think of. All I hope business. we find out. Yeah. I haven't seen like, like her, her... Like what's going on with his, his, his with Jessica, and uh, whether she thinks that this is a good thing or not. But um, we have Luke Cage in this issue, and he's talking to Hawkeye, and then there's different reps giving them the the team members, and um, I've we've seen all the team members before, except for this this other person who has like a very strange name, Guts and Glory. <laughs> he, he he looks like Latin Cable to me, is what I'm calling him. Cause... At first, I thought it was Hercules, and I thought maybe oh, Hercules had amnesia or something, and he's coming back as somebody <laughs> else. But now we now that I I'm looking again, and I see his eye flashing, right, and the big gun. Yeah. Yeah, and typical nineties super soldier. So I'm wondering maybe that maybe that is like a, a different version of cable or something. Cause he's very powerful too. Like his power set isn't established yet and it seems like he can do a lot. Yeah. So and then the um So we got Hawkeye, this right. this this guts and glory guy. Right. We got um, Purple Girl, or, or, and then we have America, and then we have um, we have Spectra, Spectrum. Oh right, uh, the old Captain Marvel, Monica. Rambeau. Yeah, Monica. I, I I think there was a, a little preview, not preview, a little story in the Devil's Reign Omega where. Uh, Monica was just like, I'm not going to be part of this team. Right. Well, 
see, that's the underpinning, like, um, secret of the first issue that Hawkeye doesn't know that he's really the second choice. Uh. And like Hawkeye's like, oh, finally, you know, Luke, you, you know, you got your trust in me and I'm going to, you know, lead this group, even if it's not the group that I would have assembled or whatever. And then Monica's like, uh, comes in at the end and is, you know, given privy to the fact that she was really the first choice. And he oh, hopes that okay. she, he hopes that she sticks around to keep an eye on everything because, you know about that Barton guy and how things usually turn out. <laughs> Every everyone usually has bandages on their noses, you know. <laughs> so, and then I, um, you see like different villains that they fight, like the Abomination. And um, I couldn't figure out who was this woman who had the um, electricity powers. I didn't see like her name at all. Oh, I forget. I when I skimmed the issue, I, she doesn't have much of a costume. They are. They sure are an effective team, though, as far as their, you know, it's an interesting set of abilities that they have across the spec. Like the the inclusion of the purple girl was a weird one to me. That 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 they're doing even more with the purple man stuff, which I thought had been right. really done every which way, uh, and especially to include it in a book with Luke Cage, which is connected to the Jessica Jones, which is connected to the Purple Man stuff in every which way, too. Um, I don't know. That, that one was surprising to me. It's kind of funny how they he makes the abomination like punch himself several times. <laughs> Below the belt to take himself out. <laughs> Just, it reminds me of something like a big brother would do, like holding yeah. a kid's hand and making him, why are you punching yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> It sounds like a heavy team. I mean, uh, uh, Captain Marvel, Photon, whatever she's going by, she's really powerful too. So that's a lot of heat on the board. And it had, because it has that connection to the time when Luke Cage was running the Thunderbolts for Norman Osborn, which is why I mixed up him as mayor uh, earlier. Um, you know, it just it kind of harkens back to that uh, dynamic for the Thunderbolts. It's it's not our old Thunderbolts, and I'm sure we'll get those characters peppered in. At least I hope that they'll cross paths. But you know, I, I at, at least it's not the red Thunderbolts, guys. That's all I'm saying. Uh, fake bolts. Yeah. I want Daniel Axum. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Axum or we Ryan. I love that joke because no one knows, ever knows what you're talking about. Sorry, Gary. I think you were saying U.S. Agent was also part of the team before I cut you off. Well, he he's sort of like one of the villains, actually. Because he's from the old team. Right, so they, Hawkeye gets to have a, um, a, a another match, a rematch against him because right. they had a, a famous, at least at the time, it was pretty big, fallout in way back in West Coast Avengers when they beat each other up on the beach. Also, wasn't there that whole bit where he was, John Walker was running the prison and he was in a wheelchair? Oh, yeah. I remember that time. From, now uh, we can walk again. Thunderbolt. So, you know, I'm sure Jim Zub 
I don't, I don't think we ever covered his 12 issue Thunderbolt run. Maybe we did, I, but I, I know he's covered the first issue. <laughs> but we he's been he's been steeped in Thunderbolt's lore. Wasn't he the last one to write them? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the last official. Well, that team, anyways. I mean, they they had these other like kingpin ish teams, but right. I mean... Some of the things I don't quite understand how Guts and Glory just throws all these darts at at U.S. Agent, and you never we really see like how he did that. Yeah, that's a lot of darts. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the, um, it's like the handful. Carnage pops out of nowhere, or is that Scream? I didn't know who that was. Scream, because she was with Scream? the old team too. Okay. Or Shriek, or Shriek. Okay, or, so she I, was I one know. of the villains in the other series. Yeah, she was on the old. But they that's one of their missions here. Here, I think, is they take out the old team. Boy, they just let anyone onto that old team. Yeah, they did. Well, it's a is kingpin. This, is this oh. where Kevin pulls out his like family tree of all the Venom? <laughs> <laughs> the thirty-seven different Venom family members. No, there's only a few left. That 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 yeah. family tree has gotten so convoluted, like the Summers family tree. And at the end, we we see that they're going to like resurrect the Kirby uh, monster. Is well, that could be fun. Please say I think Zumba. I think he's one of the Kirby monsters. Er- Ergo, yeah, Kirby or Ditko, got to be one <laughs> of the two. So it was a pretty good fish- first issue. It makes me want to pick pick up the rest of the series. I, I definitely want to see who that guts and glory guy. Forget. Is. You know, for getting the band together issue, I thought it was pretty entertaining and it had the, you know, the underlying thing of Hawkeye not being as well regarded as he thought he was and his own non-relationship with most of the people on this team. I, I It reminded me a little bit of when Hawkeye was trying to get the the you know, the original Thunderbolts and trying to whip them back into their image back into shape uh, when he was leading the team for a while there. It, right. it, there's some fun things about it that it yeah. was more entertaining than I expected it to be. It's just, they don't have like a romance, um, uh, a female that he can go and, and have another romance with. Give him time. Clint always finds somebody. <laughs> I think two. I think two of them are too young for him, and and I don't think he's going going to go after Monica. But hey, maybe that'll be guts and glory secret power. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right. On that note, I read the first issue of Predator, now being put out by Marvel following in their tradition of picking off the licenses from Dark Horse, it seems, that they started with the Conan and then they did Alien and now they've got Predator. Is the Usagi or Hellboy coming next, yeah. Steve? Right? <laughs> this issue, I mean, I couldn't help but be intrigued because it's written by Ed Brisson with art by Kev Walker another Thunderbolts connection yeah, there. That's good art. Yeah. Luke, Luke Cage Thunderbolts era, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And the colors are by Frank D'Armada. So, I mean, it's a familiar palette that it just looks like a one of those Brubaker issues of Cap, you know, where he, his, <laughs> his coloring and palette were such a part of the visual tone of that book. And it's the same here. And I got to admit, I've never read a Predator comic before. And if I got to confess, I've never even seen a Predator movie all the way through. <laughs> Because they came out when I was in that kind of dead spot of seeing movies when I was like in undergrad college where I was too far from a movie theater and didn't have any money either. And like I've seen chunks of the first one and I think I've seen the back nine of uh, the Aliens versus Predator movie. But I really don't know anything about the Predators, like what drives them, what makes them hunt. I don't even have really a sense if they're good guys, bad guys, or <laughs> they're like neutral and for hire. I mean, I don't know really much. Steve, I don't want to spoil hunters. anything, but at least the Predator movies I've seen, character development's not a real key part <laughs> of any of the ones. I, I've watched a bunch, and I couldn't tell you their character arc. All right. <laughs> well, I think they really developed the character in the comics and not in the movies. <laughs> Well, none of that stuff is in this story because Brisson has gone with the tell a story about humans and have the deadly force of nature lurking in the background approach that we've seen done so many times. And that works perfectly for aliens or predator, you know. But like the risk of doing that is to lose me, whether it's a movie, book or comic, to lose me quick in the whole like not enough Godzilla and way too many humans. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Pretty, and the yeah. The human's drama isn't what put me in the chair to read this thing or to yeah. see this thing. It's to see Godzilla, you know, or whatever. Right. But Brisson is a seasoned pro. So he really walks the line well in this first issue and keeps the number of characters to a minimum, which is part of, you know, Steve Raker's, you know, five steps for <laughs> winning me over of a of a new number one right keep the characters to a minimum get right to the action don't do too much world building and what they do here is focus on this armored girl who's hunting predators and in the first issue it it frequently goes back and forth in time to simultaneously like tell the story of why she's hunting predators because she's looking for one that killed her parents and just totally destroyed her world. And it was marked, you know, in the process of the event that killed her parents and blew her world up. So she'll know when she finds that one. So she's just going around tracking down predators wherever she can find them and trying to find the one that she's really after. And so like it takes we, place on other worlds and stuff then. Yeah, she's she flies between worlds trying to hunt them down. She's got a sentient like computer program in her ship that has been around almost like as a nanny since she was a kid. It, it's easy to keep track of the time shift things that happen because she's a little girl when it all happened. So it's easy to know whether she's like an adult or a little girl, you know, whether you're in the past or present. But because of it being Walker's art, it's a little too much like Dr. Afra visually in the design. Like I felt like I was like the character, the adult version of the character is very Dr. Afra. But 
it's an interesting book, and I'm definitely going to stay on for the ride because uh, in Brisson, I trust. I, I rarely am disappointed. You got to have the sentient thing for uh, so she's not talking to herself. It's the war journal. It's the pewter. It's all them. You know, you got to have something for the character to be like, yep. day 47, and I still haven't found the man who shot my paw. <laughs> Captain's lock. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. You know, the art was good, and it got me right into it because other than like her and her parents, there's really, and the sentient computer, there's really no other characters that matter. So it was, it was a good Roped me right in. Well, I really enjoyed the two um, Archie versus Predator series, but this is totally different. <laughs> maybe not. I haven't gotten, you know, huh. maybe Jughead shows up in the next issue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's secret Jughead. Enjoyed finishing up um, as listeners to Sister show, Indie Noise show. No. I'm uh, promoting heavily the wrap-up of the G.I. Joe franchise. So Larry Hama just finished his five-issue Wolverine Patch series. I believe it's finished. It certainly read like it was the end. But yeah. if it keeps going, I'll keep buying. I don't know if you guys landed on this or not. Yeah, I, I, I pre-ordered that. I, I'm, I've fallen in love with uh, limited series all over again. <laughs> it seems like... <laughs> All the series. If you look at it, isn't everything limited? <laughs> I mean, technically, it's it's <laughs> like when they say, like, oh, yeah, this is a limited run. And I'm like, well, everything is technically a limited yeah. run, but I, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, eventually the sun's going to burn out. So, you know, <laughs> there's going to be no more. But it's uh, Larry Hama, Andrea DeVito, um, Underwood, Sebastian Chang, Clayton Cowles. It's been fun. It's picking up, I guess, some continuity from we all remember when Wolverine had the patch identity for Madripoor. Love that. So this is a flashback that puts him in the middle of political intrigue between Russians, S.H.I.E.L.D., and the local um, government as a family of mutants on the run interact with Wolverine. And he has to navigate all the competing interests to reach the correct outcome. But what's interesting is that through the course of this is that Wolverine style where he just eats a lot of damage is how he fights. <laughs> it's always fun, like the the different eras of Wolverine. I always appreciated the, oh, I'm not going to do any defensive work. I'm just going to get <laughs> turned into hamburger on a adamantium skeleton and get healed. So because of the trauma he goes through, one of the mutants has to help heal him, but he loses his memory at the end. So it makes more of that kind of bittersweet character. Oh, sorry, Kevin. I guess that's a spoiler, maybe. Did you know that? Well, I didn't know that. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. Um, that, <laughs> Without adds... your pals, we're not covering this next series together. It's uh, it's one of the things I like about sometimes when you take a nostalgic take on characters. That was another fun element that I think they've kind of gotten rid of. But for us old heads, it was a tragic element that he didn't know so many things about his past. And it always kind of haunted him in a way 
the good and the bad and how that, you know, you could, especially when I was a young person reading these things, it seemed somewhat romantic, I would guess, if that's the correct word, to be the tragic figure, you know, who's always doing the right thing but can't, only gets glimpses of his past and the aged gunfighter going from one town to the next as Bruce Banner walks to jangly piano music at the end of his show. At least but, he always had those good days at, up in the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> and the Canadian wilderness with Silver Fox. But it's just a lot of... Um, I, I'm, I, it's, it's wall-to-wall action amongst those tropes. And if that's the type of Wolverine you enjoy, I would unreservedly recommend the series. If you're like, Andy, I don't want your, pun intended, old man Wolverine. I want the new Wolverine, which is also an old man Wolverine. Right? For whatever his current stat, I like, I don't want every comic to always homage and exist in an old time period, but it's fun to see that character told in a more modern fashion with the, the style of the times, but invoking those old feelings. So for me, it was a big plus. I liked it. I didn't know much about it i just grabbed it because of the larry hama thing and yeah really fun i hope he i'm not really sure what his plans are if he's going to keep working in comics or what but i'm on board this if i see his name it's a fun ride yeah he's still right did that series end already or or... it reads like five is the end yeah or at least five is a logical okay because i think i only picked up two the first two and then i didn't see the the other three yeah, it ends as a logical kind of ending point. Kind of like you, Gary. I just go to the store, but I don't go every week. And sometimes things sell out and sometimes they don't. And I just but, kind of grab stuff that tickles my fancy. And this one, I tickled my fancy. And I'm glad. Yeah. And like I said, when it turns out, especially because I don't know, it's a limited series. <laughs> so I, it's fun when you get to the end of it. And you're like, oh, well, that was nice. I picked up the first issue and enjoyed it enough that then I was going to let the other four issues pile up and then read the whole thing in one mm-hmm. shot. So I've had it on deck to read now that it's finished up. I, You know, Hama's got a long pedigree with Wolverine, having written a lot of issues of his regular book. I think at the time when Silvestri and uh, Dan Green were doing the artwork, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And yeah. that, some of that was some really good stuff. Um, and and really tied to the origin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And right around issue 50, I want to say, maybe with the whole Shiva thing and all that business. And then the cover, it was die cut, but it was slashed. Like Wolverine and slashed the the vial from Weapon X. Oh, you're going wild over that. And though I love his artwork, I was really surprised at the choice of Andrea DeVito to be the artist on this series because I think of Mar- Madripoor as being dark and dank and alleyways and, you know, nightclubs and all that stuff. And I think of DeVito's art as being so crisp and clean and almost like it's almost like it's digitally backlit when you're just looking at it because the lines are so bold and the forms are so solid. But 
DeVito was great on this when I saw Wolverine in the white jacket looking like he was one of the like staff of the love boat or whatever walking around the <laughs> casino. I was like, this totally works. This clean art style works for this story totally. And uh, so I, I look forward to reading the rest of it. Oh, and they move to a jungle setting, Steve. It's very fun. Oh, cool. That's and it's fun. very Because DeVito is good with backgrounds. He'll, he'll oh, yeah, it. yeah. Plus, I love the... Um, Love when Wolverine loses various bits of clothing. So it's the full hairy chested, like someone spent a lot of time putting a lot of marks on the page to cover the arms and chest and shoulders and everything. Like it's our short, hairy Canadian Wolverine. Nice. Speaking of Wolverine, he's in the other book you were going to talk about, right, Gary? Well, not exactly. No, no. Oh, maybe it's the issue before that, because I read the issue before as well. They, um, I read X-Force 31 years, um, from last week. Came out last week. Yep. And um, this this has a few characters I'm not too familiar with, like Omega Red. And um, I've seen him around, but I've, I don't I haven't read like all the stories about him, so I'm not too familiar with him. And then this woman, um, Sage, who I have no idea what her power set is, <laughs> so, <laughs> except for drinking. Uh, She's good at yeah, drinking. That surprised me. So, but the story is is excellent for getting where. Um, Craven is going to. He, I guess, he just had a battle with um, Deadpool. Well, actually, let me let me clarify that because it, it makes me not look like I'm totally off base by using the Wolverine as the transition. In issue right. th in issue thirty, the previous issue, there's a whole thing with Wolverine and Krakoa and being torn up about kid omega one of their team members being gone and okay. uh, and dead right. so and, I probably and, un didn't and unretrievable then most of the issue though is craven hunting this polar bear because it's like the apex predator and he's like hanging in the snow like a gorilla uh, gorilla g-u-e uh not g-o-r and he fights this polar bear and opens up its guts to you know um accommodate it incorporate it into his spirit because the hunt is more than just about the kill to him inside of the gut of this polar bear is deadpool's head <laughs> so the rest of the issue they talk about they also do flashbacks of like how deadpool got in this position Okay. where he gets killed by the or, or mauled by this polar bear and so craven comes back and hangs the head on his tro uh, like a trophy on his wall which leads to the shenanigans that occur in issue 31 okay that that explains that because see that's what i do wearing, yeah craven's wearing the polar bear fur like it's a like it's a coat and then it later on shows um, Deadpool sort of like um, coming back to life. At one point, he almost looks like um, 
there's two characters that he sort of reminds me of. There's one character that Kirby did um, in an old comic where it was just a head and a hand. <laughs> well, because the hand comes back after the head has to reunite, right? right? So the head, there's this great scene of Craven sitting at like his desk, you know, and he's like reading or writing some notes or something like, you know, journal entry uh, yeah. of the hunt or whatever. And <laughs> behind him, you see like this little hand crawl across the floor and he like looks over his shoulder and like, eh, what was that? No, no, nothing. All right. So he's back to his notes and like the hands crawling up the wall because it's trying to get to the, the head that's hanging on the wall like a trophy to reunite. I mean, it, it was very evil dead too to me of like this sentient hand running around doing its thing. Well, it reminded me of the, of, um, to, uh, talk about the distinguished competition swamp thing. used to have a villain arcane. And oh, right. Right. Had, like he had all these, um, what they call, um, I think they were good. What they call them. You, you men, um, yep. Friends of his, and one of them was a head that was attached to a hand that would crawl around. <laughs> this is back from Led Ween and 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 oh, yeah. days. Yep, yep. So uh, I kind of remembered that issue when I was like, oh, they're sort of borrowing that type of uh, character design. <laughs> Reminds me uh, of John Carpenter's The Thing too. You know, it's just all those, th all these weird. You know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> But but fun too, fun and comic booky. Although I could have done without. On its way to reuniting, it takes the time to pick the nose and pull out a booger and like feed it to the head, which I thought actually was kind of a wasteful waste of a page for a gag that was kind of stupid. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I was I was more looking at the whole. I guess this story really gets better as we get to. Craven getting into the island and going after all the mutants. And I guess he's going to come against um, Omega Red, which will be a pretty interesting issue. Yeah, they seem to be having those two uh, vectors coming towards each other in the, in the story because the 31 ends with Craven. Uh, thinking he might have a, a ticket into Krakoa. Using the Deadpool as, as his key. So, but, so what is, what is Sage? What, what is her power set? She's been around since the Claremont stuff. She was a member of the, and correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but she was a member of the Hellfire Club. Yeah. She's like a uh, around around issue 200, like after the not the original Hellfire Club bunch, but like when they were reformed afterwards. And then she was in that um, extreme X-Men book, the the Claremont LaRocca book, where, where she had like the glasses visor and they it was her and Rogue and Gambit and a couple other characters. I think she was in the Morrison run too, where she was like a human computer or something. Yeah, I never really understood her power set either. Um, boys, you're forgetting Sage was in Nova, hung out with the Sphinx. Oh, you know, no. became <laughs> Veritas. <laughs> we, she we was beautiful on that thing. <laughs> Wait, do I have the wrong Sage? Dang it. I always get my herbs mixed up. Sorry. Yeah. Guys. Go back to your rosemary in time. <laughs> Don't forget the parsley. 
Time and time again. Of course, isn't, <laughs> uh, isn't Sage now Veritas? <laughs> I guess that frees up the Sage name for Sage to have the Sage name. Look, there's only so many names, people. What do you want me to do? All right, I got another book for you. It's, well, it's actually the last few issues of Strange, which is written by Jed McKay, who I'm also enjoying his Moon Knight book. And the penciler is Marcello Ferreira. Doctor Strange is dead, right? The whole death of Doctor Strange thing and everything. So we've got Clea filling in as the Sorcerer Supreme for this series. But because she's also like the ruler of the Dark Dimension and, you know, she's part Faltine, like her uh, brethren Umar and Dormammu, or her mother's an uncle. So she's like not to be trifled with. She's a powerful and she's calls herself like the warlord of Manhattan and she's going to handle like the mystical stuff. And Wong is there and the ghost hound dog is there. So that's fun. And Clea's nemesis so far is this magic oriented mob, the blasphemy cartel. And their members are all hooded and wear masks black outfits they all look like snake eyes from gi joe and they all have numbers on their heads like like the secret empire you know they all refer to each other as as numbers and stuff it's really funny but but these guys are more thug and minion-y than the secret empire guys there's also this masked harvestman guy who is supposedly death's sorcerer supreme which i was like all right that's a bit of a flimsy stretch but whatever it is what it is right um and he's after this cartel gang too and the cartel slaughters this magic marketplace and is sending these resurrected dead hero and villain corpses at clea even interrupts a visit from her mother although she kind of appreciates the interruption but not not like this not like this and all along, Clea is also exploring how to possibly bring Stephen Strange back from the dead, which Death does not want to happen, and conveys that through this Harvest Man guy. But in the last issue, it was cool because she went and seeks out Moon Knight's consultation. Right. She shows up in the in the mission and she's sitting there and she's like, oh, uh, I don't think your house likes me very much. Because <laughs> remember, the house and Doctor Strange had a history. Right. Moon yeah. Knight's got that like haunted house thing. But so and the reason why she's seeking out Moon Knight. No, it's not just because the writer writes both books, although it is. But she it's because Moon Knight's been resurrected a few times. So she's like, what are these other paths to resurrection besides maybe the ones that I usually think of? Which was kind of cool. It's a good book. The art's good. Seeing how she deals with issues that pop up are interesting. Knowing that she spent time on Earth as Doctor Strange's, you know, wife and and disciple and all that stuff, but she really doesn't know how things work is kind of fun because she's more of a warlord of the dark dimension. So when someone pushes, she pushes back. She's not going to do any of this, you know. Um, fool around and 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 just take it business it's interesting and there's a big 
like reveal twist thing that happens at the end of the fifth issue that if you were reading the book, it's so telegraphed a mile away that the, I hope the writer really didn't think that that much gravitas weight was behind it or anything. And I hope that the, he sticks the landing with how it plays out because the reveal itself was like, yeah, so, so we'll see. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. So it, it wasn't obvious to me. All right. Fair enough. I've heard other people on other podcasts and yes, the thing. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to spoil it because it's the mystery of the book. And if I even say what character it refers to, it's you, you kind of that quickly put two or two together. <laughs> so I won't, yeah. um, but but we'll see, you know, there's no strange, but everything else is in place. And just Clea being at the man. I, I mean, I miss Clea. So this is fun because yeah. it's Clea being Clea. The last time she showed up, it was a, such a tease in the in the last book. So I'm enjoying it. Clea's uh, my second favorite apprentice, Steve. <laughs> no Rintra yet. Sorry. Oh, come on, wow. Steve, you're killing me. Next thing you're going to tell me is that some at some point they'll resurrect Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> did they have to kill like i found it weird that they did the whole death of and change up his status quo right during the time when he's pretty popular as far as being in the movies and stuff like he's been in so many of the recent movies that yeah i was but, a little surprised but but shouldn't people be happy then because they're like oh the they're they're just telling their own story rather than mapping to uh directly to movies or whatever Yep. I don't trust Kevin. Kevin just likes it because he knows with the death of Doctor Strange, big speculating money. He's going <laughs> to load up on those. All these people are going to come in and be like, whoa, Doctor Strange died. I got to get that. It's death of Superman all over, Steve. I blame Kevin. <laughs> there was a good argument. At least they cover. used it to bring Flea back and, and, and not like have one of the Strange Academy take over the um, Right, right. The we've, seen, we've seen Doctor Voodoo in this role, you know? Right. Or Brother Voodoo, I should say. I hope He's they go full full DC on this and bring, like, Cyborg Doctor Strange and Clone Doctor Strange. <laughs> and we have to decide which one is the real one. So is there, there'll be a young Doctor Strange? <laughs> a blue Doctor Strange? Strange boy? There's, there's been a blue Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we got to celebrate uh, Ant-Man's uh, 60th anniversary. Ooh, fun. Take yeah. that, Spider-Man. <laughs> I, was, I was really looking forward to reading this book since uh, the creative team was like, all right, I can't wait to check this out. Uh, you, oh. you, you know what I, I should have done, though? Um, uh, Tom Riley, from who I think we, we liked on that Thing miniseries, limited series, um and I, I think will be will be someone to definitely uh watch and enjoy and I, and I think they were at Fan Expo and uh maybe I should have got something from them. Oh, like that would have been a good idea. Yeah. I I got a little all read out of them a little bit I felt yeah. this book if that's I mean, not stepping out. I mean it, different colorist obviously. Yeah. Got Georgie Blair. Yeah. Huh? It, it's Laura. it's very very like classical. And I find it funny because they're they're gonna do like an Ant Man per issue, and this fir first one, um, 
Al Ewing is the writer here. It's totally like a classic 60s Marvel oh, comic. Oh, awesome. Ant-Man should be. Like, that's... Like, Ant-Man, like Plastic Man, has a... There used to be a vibe to his stories in particular, you know? They were their own thing within the Marvel Universe, a good old... Like, I was thinking that recently. Like, why can't there just be an ongoing Ant-Man book where they just do it like old... Like, having a guy who can turn small is so cool. (laughs) So I I, I would... It's, like, not a lot of, like, splashes and everything. Like, there's a lot of... A lot of story going on here, and I would, and probably villains that um, probably haven't seen since those classic stories. I'm betting because, I mean, who would use these guys? Awesome. So, but there is there is a connecting uh, tissue here where you where you see some other, um, um, I guess future Ant Man. Yeah, the, the there's a framing device with yeah, the mysterious like... Ant Man. Like first, it seems like things gonna are going like to get real futuristic here because they're using you know typical uh, sci-fi speak and like futuristic modern lingo and everything, and then you're like, oh, and then we go into our story, and then it sort of wraps back around. But while this issue is is like totally like a classic comic book, uh, the next issue is going to be Eric O'Grady. And if you remember how how Kirkman and Hester had that structured, where it was like nine panel pages, twelve panel pages, like yeah, and there was a, like a lot, and they told stories a specific way. That's how the next issue is drawn too. Interesting. So I'm like, wow, they're completely replicating like eras and everything, and I'm just like, that that is that is amazing in itself. That's exciting. Oh, not just that, but the framing device, they always put a few panels where it's transitioning the art style that I thought was really transitions in and out. So you go from the very modern slick looking to like more of the flat colors. And as Kevin said, no splashes and old 60s style. And then on the back end, it transitions again. You have one or two panels that are kind of in the middle. And then, yeah, yeah, I'm with Kevin. I love mimicking old style of going the full way the villains the storytelling the art in a picture besides i like the old uh janet when she had the her old style you know with the goofy headphones and everything hmm. <laughs> awesome. yeah like I, I guess we're giving uh big props to uh al ewing again but uh I mean, I buy everything he, 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 whatever he writes now, I just, just buy sight unseen too. So, Riley's making it happen too. It can't be easy yeah. to have to shift how you. I mean, the colorist can do a lot of work as well, but at the end of the day, you're telling the story in a different fashion. This is true. That, and that's mimicking yeah, that's the art of that. I was like that too, and it's fun to see. Like I said, especially those transitions where they're half modern and half the old school but just the goofy as kevin said guys with like one trick power thing and then as with the defenders the back there's like a recommended reading list where you can see these great guys in action as they were from tales to astonish back in the day yeah and when they announced the the used to be young guns but now it's stormbreakers 
Uh, I, I was kind of like, is, is Tom Riley going to be on there? But not yet. Maybe next year. <laughs> I thought you'd been here too long to be it. No, it's, it's it's sometimes guys that have been around a while are guys that are are, are, are pretty new. And I don't mean guys it, as in just men. No, no. I Yeah, yeah. Just people who are yeah. doing Yeah, because I saw it was a pretty recent announcement. And I always felt like, oh, it's people that have just started the thing. But I guess... You're saying they can put on John Byrne or whatever as their <laughs> guns. You, re- you remember one of those young guns, and then like there were some comments like, some of these people aren't young. <laughs> Stormbreakers. I think it's fun. I'm glad they... I'm always a little like, I hope the artists have good representation. I hope yeah. this isn't just them getting jerked around by disney or whatever like well, i hope they use this you get more work anyways right like they're gonna make you do extra covers and stuff like that so at least there's that yeah but i hope they get some extra money out of it too i mean i don't want people paid in exposure that's I what mean, our indie comic that's what we cover on indie comics <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i mean marvel will, will will pump you up so you can leave right you'll be big <laughs> enough to leave <laughs> And go do your own series. The Kirkman Manifest. Is that how Ant-Man 2 ends? With the Kirkman Manifest? (laughs) (laughs) All right, time to clink my negabands together and send Gary back to his exile in the negative zone. And turn the mic over to Andrew. Gary, thanks for joining us on such short notice. Thanks. Anytime, Steve. that time again marvel noise listeners our continuing coverage of the 90 sensation the new warriors the original series originally featuring all the young people like name marita who was actually from a comic book from a long time ago and nova who was also from a comic book from a long time ago but we are undetoured in this our 18th episode if you can believe it true believers and non-true believers where the three of us well, mostly the three of us. WWX Kev, 90s expert. Say hi, Kev. All I want to do is change the world. Providing context and important on-the-scene criteria. Myself, Andrew the LA Rabbit, who took a powder for financial reasons during the 90s and is catching up now. And, of course, making the Marvel train run on time from the comic book bunker, Super Steve. Justice like lightning. Oh, no, that's the other one. <laughs> We uh, always like to joke that Super Steve's selective reading only allowed him the good issues of the New Warriors. Yes, yeah, so these yes, ones well, these ones were a first time for me. <laughs> uh, so, one of these might have been a first time for me, or I just don't remember. Like, wow. So, previous listeners are breathlessly recalling our countdown to issue 50. And that was the big crossover with the existing titles of Nova and Night Thrasher that led to our fancy, legit, sandpaper-covered <laughs> bonus cover, which saw off, sadly, our favorite team of Derek Robertson, usually inked by Larry Malstadt, sometimes different inkers. So now we're doing after that, after the aftermath. And as longtime listeners of Marvel always know, we always joke that, like, the issue after the anniversary issues tend to be sort of, fill, you know, all that excitement and everything. And we get 
a little bit of filler, a little bit of uh, uh, sorbet, I guess, to cleanse our palate. Yeah, you're lucky it's not an inventory story. <laughs> but before we get to that, as is tradition, we usually have Kevin give us a rundown of uh, the current roster of New Warriors. Kevin? All right. Our New Warriors. Speedball, Robbie, the Bubble Boy, a Chimera, <laughs> the Blue Girl. Firestar, Angelica, the Radiation Gal. Uh, Nova, Richard, the Flying Guy. Uh, Silhouette, the Shadow Lass. Uh, Rage, Elvin, the Big Dude, uh, Night Thrasher. Uh, should we call him Thrash now? Does that sound better than, than being a Night Thrasher? Uh, he's Dwayne, the Skateboard Band. And uh, Marvel Boy, Vance, uh, the TK. Uh, not that TK guy. Then... Our new new warriors, uh, Dagger, Runaway, uh, Darkhawk, Mixer, Cosmic, uh, Turbo, Lookout, Whirlwind, uh, Power Packs, one of the Power Pack, uh, Bandit, not quite a Bandit, and maybe Hindsight Lad? Yeah, we've reached that point where the team roster has gotten somewhat unmanageable, but they're going to fix that for us. To oh, place is your... Henry uh, Gyrick going to come in here and say, there can only be seven of you. Well, they're going to have a West Coast New Warriors, Great Lakes New Warriors. But yeah. to also place your minds at where we're at. So we're deep into 94. Look, folks, the comic industry is humming. It's only going to get better from here. <laughs> <laughs> there are no bumps in sight. The buy all these issues are going to be hot, 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 folks. The, the sky's the limit. We're we're dealing with the wrap-up of all those new warriors coming together. What had been interesting, as a quick recap, is the teams had kind of been separate. So this 51 finds us with them putting the team back together, and we're going to introduce um, Penciler Richard Pace. Wow. Most recently, I believe, uh, second coming from Ahoy Comics. Ahoy Comics, what's that you say? Well... If you listen to Sister Show Indie Comic Book Noise, look at that seamless plug, boys, you may find we talk about Ahoy Comics from time to time. I really uh, but, like this cover of 51. It reminds me of the Wahaha Justice League yeah. cover, you know, where there's all those colorful bodies with no background. Yeah. There's almost not enough room for everyone, and then Ray just started trying to get in there, and one of his spikes is like, it's like almost going up someone's nose. Yeah, is that yeah, that they... cord there? Yeah. I like how he's really thrown off. He was used to be the such a cool cat, and you could see that. Hey, that could almost be meta, right? It's like they're coming of age here, and they don't need cord anymore. Oh, yeah. they put all kinds of drama. They have. Um... Uh, Night Thrasher or Thrash or NT or Mr. T or whatever we're calling Dwayne uh, with his arm around Silhouette who looks very unhappy and he's <laughs> given the mean uh, stare to Bandit and Bandit is the one who is Dwayne's half-brother who is now dating Silhouette who used to date him. Hmm. Uh, Cloak is sort of rolling her eyes. Hindsight lad looks afraid. Uh, everyone's favorite creep Robbie is kind of staring at turbo in a, with a <laughs> leer on his face. Like they really put a lot into this. Uh, they, they really did. They put, put the couples together. You've got Nova and Chimera and you have justice. 
aka Vance and Firestar together. So you know, and uh, cigar smoke on the cover, boys. So we know we haven't hit the Joe Q era yet. <laughs> We're not even close. But yeah, so Fabian, these are going to be the wrap-up issues of Fabian. And on this first one, along with Pace, we have a hundred or so anchors. So <laughs> again, following that rich tradition of, man, we put everything we had into the big anniversary issue. So this one's going to just... The, the anchors intrigued me, though, because one is Andrew Peepoy. Who's... One is Bob Kane. Why? Boy, I never would have figured. <laughs> or is it Shaky Kane? <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce Patterson. It's interesting to see work from him in the 90s. And Robin Riggs. Right? Well, we're going to have... Uh, I'm going to feel in this short tryout, um, Pace's art, I feel, grows a bit. I like yeah. that he takes a lot of chances. Look, sometimes it doesn't work, but in some ways I'm fine with people taking some risks and everything and having it fail. I feel like those failures don't come at the storytelling. They come at the expense of some aesthetic choices. We're in an era of exaggerated physiques. Oh, yeah. And not necessarily consistent from panel to panel which in the hands of, you know, your Sam Keiths or whatever is fine. Your Bill Sienkiewicz, those guys do that fine. So we're seeing some newer artists mimicking that. And to sometimes it works great and sometimes it doesn't. But I'm here for, look, experiment, like try things. Obviously, some of the stylistic who feet stuff of the 90s and everything, Andy's always going to not like. But, eh, you, you know. You can see where he spent his time when he really put... I mean, there are some images, some figures that are just wonderfully rendered, and then you see other stuff that almost looks beyond amateurish. And it's interesting, because, like, the splash page of this, there's not much of a splash, and he instead spends his time on the next page is the close-up of Night Thrasher where you can see his eyes and everything and his helmet and all the rendering of the reflections of his helmet and everything. It's the coolest Night Thrasher's like ever looked. But then the same page, you look at some of the smaller faces and some of them look pretty doofy. <laughs> yeah. The, the conceit is also, like I said, we're clearing the table. So we're going to have traditional new warriors villain mad thinker <laughs> well i wouldn't necessarily say villain i also right. like the name Benefactor? of the story is another thing coming exactly put that in here so they have uh the mad thinker is going to provide kind of the monologue and set the table and let everybody know what's going on and he is going to well i guess he's just the thinker some people think he's mad yeah exactly. But for me he's the mad thinker and he really? has one of his um sort of annoying awesome kind Annie. of a cross between impy and the mask and those kind of wise cracking yet not i i don't know the the sidekick robot that can change shape um i i understand the point of it the humor didn't really work for me but I get that's very on brand for the 90s. Like, that's that kind of wacky, I'm going to make a lot of goofy jokes 
You didn't of. like the whoop, there it is? Whoop, there it is? <laughs> well, also comments about, like, peeping on inappropriate scenes. <laughs> it was just oh, weird. <laughs> that, that goes on decades into the future with Ant-Man and everything. What I think but, is funny is that it's Primus. I mean, this is the uh, Arnim Zola's greatest creation from Kirby time, right? Back on Captain America. And... Then he Primus was hooked up with um, Zemo for a while there during the Mike Zek Beatty era of Cap. When we read those stories and impersonated him and everything, remember? It's yeah. fun stuff. Primus has had a interesting um, uh, trip through the Marvel Universe. The way they pull him out here and there is funny, and for him to be hanging out with the Mad Thinker now is amusing to me because I do think of the Mad Thinker being best when he can bounce his mad thinking off of somebody else, whether it's the awesome android or the wizard or whoever happens to be hanging around, and Primus at least gives him that. Yeah, you need the the foil so that Spider-Man's not talking to himself. What's funny is how invested they are in the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Primus can completely change shape to vehicles and size is no object. He can be really tiny. He can be large. He has infinite mass. Usually it's gold colored in this instance, but he can do other colors in addition. He's Jake, so that... He's Jake the dog from Adventure Time. <laughs> so, so in that way, that sort of reminded me of Impy a little bit. Like, And also the, he doesn't really understand humans, so this is his chance to learn. But like I said, they're going to lay out the rosters. We get an excellent cutaway, which I know we all love, where they explain oh, yeah. all the different levels. Because what's interesting about their current base is it goes down into the basement. Although I could have used more detail. I feel like some of those cutaways, they really get into all the cute little things that's in here. <laughs> I like how it wow. goes down into the basement, but it doesn't need—it doesn't really need to. The, yeah. Like the bottom two floors are completely unassigned, yeah. so. <laughs> I feel like that's future story stuff. They never really got to. It's the who's loose in the caverns of Thunderbolts Mountain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's or living like down Nova's there? Hanging out in his underwear or whatever. <laughs> Now, these issues are, all the issues we're going to talk about today, 51 through 53 in Annual 4, are available on the Unlimited. I'm reading in floppy form because I'm stupid and bought the floppies. Uh, or smart. Maybe you could just go ahead and read those on there. Although you will miss wonderful, like, the double-page spread for the video game Maximum Carnage. But we're in the <laughs> oh, era of a lot of, like... was red. A lot of corporate tie-ins, cards, video games lifestyle options but generally slicker brands i'm guessing that the the cost of these ads now have sort of priced out your get x-ray vision stuff but a few uh back issue ads from mile high and those guys always fun kind of cruising through and seeing what the hot books of 19 late 1994 were but I'll, i might have a few comments on it but i think generally the unlimited is fine 
so I we're going to catch I up. I think with... the ads, too, also point to when you say all those other different product tie-ins. It's the trying to capitalize on the zeitgeist of how popular comics are right now in the yeah. 90s, right? It's like, we're at this peak. Now we need the video games and the gum and the this and the that. It's all going to come crashing down. And the other thing that I am not a huge expert in, but I guess... I know they're not as hot now, but the sports collectibles was still a hot market. A lot of these, when I say cards, it's not just the superhero. I mean, it's like traditional football cards and baseball cards and those sorts of things, which I had as a kid. But I remember, I think, though, not not that they're not still valuable, but I think that market also took a big beating, if memory serves. They're not what it used to be because everybody at some point had some type of sports card. And they yeah. someone gave you a pack of something at some point. Yeah, so I did enjoy seeing those. But so he's going to go around and visit all the crew. So we have to look at the old crew and the new crew. And it was weird. They've decided they want Cloak is not going to join, but Dagger is. So they have to have their little parting of the ways. And we're at the point now where they're the drug addict. They were the drug experiment ones. Like the cloak and dagger thing, I'll be honest, I could not put a timeline on when they were mutants versus when they were runaways with the drug experiments and this, that, and the other thing. They apparently don't need each other physically. I know that's been a story point at some time. So we're at the time now where they're kind of sort of friends but feuding, and so they're going to spend time apart. Rob and we've talked about Robbie and Rage. Kind of an interest. They try and do some interesting things because Rage, even though he's physically the largest, is age-wise 14 years old. So Robbie, in some ways, is kind of a mentor. But because Robbie's a goof and a bit of a creep, not sure how that mentoring is going to work out necessarily. <laughs> um, there is some fallout, as we saw. Power packs. Really, that's what we're calling. We're, we're going with that, Kevin. You're That's married to Power Packs with an X? That's the name. It was a one-time I mean, thing. If one of them doesn't use it, the other one will. So he had um, stole, borrowed his uh, siblings' powers. Power Pack was a group of children who have four, 40 years, aged maybe two or three years apiece. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the problems with that. But anyways, they're a, a family that has superpowers, and the oldest borrowed the powers for the big... Uh, crossover event we covered last time and now he faces some fallout about that because obviously the siblings are kind of mad and they're still kids and so there's that fallout there's as I mentioned Chimera and Kid Nova aka Nova wait should be Nova aka Kid Nova aka Nova have their romance you weren't going to mention the the whole thing with the mad thinker and and the sheriff yeah, I don't, they're spying on it. The uh, Primus takes the form of a uh, Stimpy t-shirt to spy <laughs> on them. Some clever... I think at this point, isn't Marvel doing the Ren and Stimpy comic book? I was thinking so that, yeah. That makes sense. And then, as I hinted, Primus turns himself into a plastic or rubber duck that's in the hot tub and almost witnessed some inappropriate action between Nova and Chimera. Well, then he, he did talk about the hot tub if he goes to fix it. Yeah, then he turns into some weird Howard the Duck-looking thing. 
to give his summary wrap up. Yeah, the George, that, George Lucas version of Howard the Duck. <laughs> it is funny well, that time. like e- each scene though, like you're going, you're checking in on each of the new warriors, right? And yeah. the whole start of the issue is the Mad Thinker and Primus wanting to check in on the new warriors. So <laughs> we do it to their benefit. And in each scene, Primus is already there, set up as some prop. So it makes it fun to. But by, by the time you're to the third scene and it's the rubber duck, you're 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 already laughing because you know, you know. Yeah. And it's they have some whimsy in it. For instance, when Firestar finally gets to the meeting, she was late. Uh, her backstory currently is her father is recovering from the attack on the loved ones of the new warriors, so she's a caregiver for him. Uh, they have a, a a kind of small gag where. I believe it's Bandit, but maybe Silhouette is playing ring toss with pretzels oh, on yeah. the spike armor of Rage. Which is just kind of a funny way to give the pass of time. So, you know, Dwayne's got to lay down who's in the team, who's out, who's part of the Great Lakes New Warriors, who's not. And at this point, Bandit and Silhouette are like, you know, we're out. This is not our gig. You know, they recap their backstory. Uh, as we've talked about, we've covered some of the crossover issues of Night Thrasher, but we haven't done a deep dive on the Night Thrasher series. If the Marvel noise faithful make a great hue and cry, we might make that a priority. But I just feel like from what we've seen of the crossovers, we haven't gotten enough payoff out of it. So we've decided what we're going to cover when it's a direct and what we're not. Again, you know, you can let us know, hey, we really need those Night Thrasher issues covered. We also have to make a decision about some of those Nova issues, too. Yes, and we've done some of those. But Nova also might be a character, given Super Steve's love, that we might do a more in-depth dive, because we've covered his original series. And I'd like no to see private, previous ones. So that might be more likely to have it than not. While they're announcing you know after silhouette is like hey i've been through some stuff man i'm not the same i like bandit out of the two brothers he's the better one and that's when thinker shows up and is like hey i got a recap for this for you guys and for the readers at home and we're gonna do that with real tiny panels that show some of your various outfits and from the past Uh, (laughs) yeah i like that i i it's funny that the the original ones are always so simple and then they get bulked up and all these extra things like they're almost like they're less iconic i mean nova's gets better and i and then you think of what costume they're wearing nowadays and usually they went back to the original but man i know that rage one is 90s with all the spikes and everything but i really like that that third rage one it's i think the second rage was more my jam it's cool that they're coming in you know this is the end of uh, nisieza's run writing the book so he's doing this bookend moment of the thinker coming back because he was there at the beginning right yeah and commenting on look how much you've grown you know i barely recognize you you've gone through like five costume changes the most of you you know and then really putting it out visually it doesn't have to be more detailed because they're just trying to show that progression right and i think especially like how they show rage 
not even you know overfilling the panel where you can't even <laughs> yeah. see his head anymore when you look at this stuff quickly it's actually pretty clever comic booking and firestar had to get a jacket i mean it's the 90s yep hey they gave robbie a cloak for <laughs> which didn't really do yeah it's an interesting examination of styles for the 90s but uh it ends up my uh, thinker leaves and is like, why was I here? Um, <laughs> it wasn't just a plot convenience. You'll never know. And fades away. Oh, and that leads Night Thrasher to kind of give the final one. And he's like, hey, look, the original six plus, you know, Rage, because he's cool, uh, are going to be the main team. And then the rookies, which includes Dagger who's been around for a pretty long time for yeah. a rookie. <laughs> uh, power packs. Uh, we need to workshop that. Uh, Turbo. And this is the split Turbo, who's the lady Turbo. But her uh, brother, right? Or is it her boyfriend? I think it's her brother. Is the, is is like was the man in the chair, so to speak. Hindsight Lad and Darkhawk. And Darkhawk's like, wait a second. I have my own book. Um, wow. I don't need this. Yep. So I'll just be an auxiliary member because, you know, I got my own book. Hey, 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 I've got my own book. He's going to be losing his own book soon because everything is bright and happy in uh, the industry. <laughs> and Robbie's like, oh, this is great. I can creep on the rookies. And I'm like, oh, man, this mid 90s stuff is a little goofy. And then the other thing thing that was odd and i'll comment on it as it goes along is the bullpen bulletins has become the fun page and they have these really weird things like this it's these latvarian um songs where like uh instead of america the beautiful it's latveria the beautiful but <laughs> like readers submitted lyrics for it's just a strange tw and it's going to get even weirder true believers so here we are. We've wrapped this up. We've cleansed our palate. Now we're going to jump to annual number four. This is the last annual of the original series because it's going to tie back in and sort of wrap up what happened in the last two issues. And also it's um, the the villain group. Yeah. Boy, did they look uh, right out of the 90s. Like <laughs> They tried to say the new warriors were, but I'm like... Boy, look at Impulse, and yeah, like, wow. Yeah, Impulse is in a, like, that dark blue, which might suggest black, might suggest blue, but he's got spiked armbands and, like, a metal helmet that looks like a fetish helmet almost. A coronary is some sort of, a, you know, composite monster. The mathematician, or math maniac, he just dresses like a guy in the 90s with like a jacket and t-shirt. Did you notice shorts. they trademarked all these names? <laughs> yeah. Um, Asylum is the leader. He's dark force energy personified. And Pretty Persuasions is literally an exotic dancer. So that's her day job. I'm, who, I'm not... Who can crack a whip? <laughs> so yeah, very 90s. Um, but I thought there was some interesting twists. Okay, we're going to see... This is one main story that matters and then a couple of backups so fabian along with Ste stefan jb jones for penciling and then again an army of inkers 
And I believe uh, Jones went into animation sometime after this. So he also is going to do the pencils for one of the backups. And then Brandon McKinney does the pencils for the other. But like I said, we're looking Boyd, Kane, Aiken, DiCarlo, um, Stegbauer, Malstead, all the anchors for that first like little mini piece. And it's assembling, you know, we've had this, uh, this team was built early on in the new warriors to be the counter new warriors and the Institute that created them. It's funny because they have a running gag where they're always complaining about how bad that reflects on them, that they, the mad scientists created these creatures, you know, experimented on them and it was supposed to help. But really, they've gone in. Every time they do something bad, it reflects bad on them. Which I thought was kind of a funny running gag. Yep. I mean, that was meant to be a joke, right? Like, I'm <laughs> reading that right. So this, I feel like the integration of street and quote-unquote real-world issues and superheroes is not well handled in the New Warriors book. I've never liked it. Um. Your mileage may vary. I mean, we've but, had many discussions on it. Yes, but in this instance, it's, you know, finding the hard street gangs are a device, a mask is found and travels via bully to bully to a, a gang member who's shooting up his own gang. And then from it, suddenly bursts asylum. And then quite or, or, a fun... I guess Venom's pretty popular, so, I mean... <laughs> How dare you, Kevin? <laughs> the Dark Force with all its spinny tendrils and everything is only mostly like Venom. But uh, yeah, so Asylum is back from the Dark Force dimension. Dark Force dimension is that mysterious dimension that has whatever powers you need it to have. But they're dark. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, in this instance, the bullpen boltons that uh, were... Featuring a tribute to uh, Jack Kirby. Passed away in 94. That's always nice. Yeah, I remember that. And not only that, but I think the Dark Horse, Dark Force, <laughs> the Dark Horse, the Dark <laughs> Force dimension also is pretty usually characterized by darkness that can become solid, right? Yes. Object construction. And so in this instance, um, it allows a um, a depiction of the character to be all, like Kevin said, venomy, with all kinds of tendrils and spikes and whatever he needs. And we're going to check in with the rest of the psionics gang. And Impulse had suffered and is in a wheelchair. And again, then we go to the uh, the, 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 the math maniac. That's the one I really have a hard time with. I also found that his I did think it was an interesting explosion of his power to really up the power level. He is going to be more powerful. He can influence your mind with telepathy and mathematics. So how you perceive the world shifts so you, he can speed up, make it so you feel like time is sped up or not, but they actually happen to you. So if you it's not just your perception. You actually get older or you weigh more or you float or whatever. More than mind over matter. Yeah. It's very, very powerful in a way that I guess he's really exploiting here, which I didn't quite pick up on. But again, he goes for the 
regular dude outfit. Like, never covers his face or any of that yeah. stuff. So. A, a true sign of someone who's too powerful, right? Yeah. They just stay dressed with their turtleneck. Yeah, so uh, no secret identity there. So he gets recruited. Then we go to Pretty Persuasion, who's dancing at her club in her underwear. I, I wish I was lying, folks, but that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where we're going with that. She gets recruited. And these are like, you know, two-page recruitments. They're not going to do a lot. And at this point, the uh, the uh, coronary is trying to be cured because he's in awful pain. And like I said, he's the composite. Sort of similar, I guess, to Asylum, but a bit more unstable. But he's all white instead of all black with the various spikes and everything coming off of him. And because he can't get he- healed, he gets recruited. However... Our scientists who feel guilty and bad and realize, again, the bad press, they're going to dial up the new warriors. Ring, ring, ring. And I will say, I don't remember, Rage has been huge, but they really made Night Thrasher big. Like, he is now, like, past what a normal person would look like. (laughs) And He's he's trying to Batman up his game. (laughs) It's it's impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And so I liked it more when they were going for more. He's the, like a big guy, but also kind of athletic. And they've given that up completely for just the generic 90s bodybuilder dude who's yeah, huge. He, he, there's no way a skateboard would hold him now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a reinforced skateboard. So they uh, kick the door in on impulse to warn him not to join the group. And then throw a bunch of money at him to pay for the... Do- like, in a way that does not endear me to Night Thrasher or Rage. Like, they go bully this guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. Me, but, like, it seemed weird. Um, uh, to me, anyways. But after that point, that's when the crew, Psionic, shows up to recruit him. He's like, yeah, I was kind of faking it about the wheelchair so he gets recruited and then they're decided to be superheroes this time. So they're going to go, but they're 90 superheroes, which means they're a lot more violent. Like maybe not as violent as the Punisher, but I don't really understand how that's the problem with all these different shifts about who's crossing what lines and everything that always creates. The problem is that they're crossing the line, but doesn't the Punisher cross the line even worse than these guys. But the new warriors aren't the Punisher. No. This this is more about defining who the new warriors are, right? Like we've just went through the mad thinker, getting them to think about where they've come from and all of the changes that have got them to where they are now. But what does it mean to be where they are now? And that's what I kind of feel like this story was trying to do was it's like almost like that self-actualization of the young adult trying to decide okay like who do i want to be like what are we now who who, who, what type of people do we want to be and these sonics really show how easy it could be to you know misuse your power and and push people around even in the mindset that you're trying to help I mean, that's yes. the other thing about these Sonics. They think they're the good guys. Hey, even the caption box say they're just what New York needed. 
I don't so, know like, if that, that cover is kind of drawing attention to their cycles for the 90s. <laughs> but I also like that for Pretty Persuasions, they not only gave her a ridiculous physique, but they also super bulked her out, too. So she's got, like, shoulders like a linebacker and all. But still all the curves that you would expect them to put in. But it just made it, yeah, kind of very over-the-top group. And so um, New York City has their own special SWAT team superpowered group. I was unfamiliar with this squad. They're oh. from... They're from uh, DeFalco, Friends' Hulk. Or not okay. Hulk, um, Thor. I was going to say, I think they showed up in Fantastic Four. Yeah, so... Well, that was when DeFalco was doing that too, right? But they were yeah. from they were from Thor, his Thor run. Yeah, Cold Blue. I'm like, oh no, it's Cold Blue again. You can so... even see the quasi... Like, the Ron, like, this is this artist's take on Ron Friends' take on some Kirby type helmet and design when you look at the you know the, the the SWAT gear that they have. Yeah. Well I like the guy with the backwards baseball cap. You know he's important because he's <laughs> I think wearing that's Adam Extreme X. Yeah right. <laughs> so um Psyonix, uh confronts a gang all with like super heavily armed and everything. And they're like, hey, you know, we're not your grandfather superheroes. We're gonna end you. And so the new warriors show up to stop them. And I will say they do, the art team does completely render Chimera's ridiculous, like, mismatched <laughs> outfit, which I really hate. All the one shoulder piece and then an armband on the other one and the knife and the netting and all that craziness. But they're like, we don't care. You can't kill these guys. We're going to beat you up and cause impossible collateral damage anyways. Even though... You know, we're pretty sure Code Blue was going to go in and shoot all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they have the obligatory fight on the rooftop. And there's <laughs> there is one funny scene. So obviously we're going to have the big guy, Rage, face off against Coronary, who also is big. But in the same panel that that face off, you have Impulse facing off against Night Thrasher. But Impulse has like thighs that are like twice as long <laughs> as his torso <laughs> And he's like doing a sp- impossible yeah. split, which is hardly a ready position for anything other than, you know, needing an ice pack. I mean, a ninth thrasher isn't much better. No. And so, you know, they, they fight and talk and the mayor shows up and it's all a, a bad scene and they get some monologuing. And at this point they decide that, uh, you know, Hey, New Warriors, why don't you join us? And obviously they're not going to join because they're the bad guys, even though they're the good guys. They're the good guys that went too far. And so they, to distract the New Warriors, throw the mayor off the roof. Because he's a worthless politician. But, you know, Turbo's there to save the day. I thought they should put in a quip about which way Turbo voted or whatever. You know, every time you have a politician get saved, you have to yeah. make some voting quip or whatever. I didn't vote for you, sir, but I still don't want to see you hit the pavement. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so but well, why that's important is now we're going to see them in the next two issues. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, though, you could give this a, a miss. I don't think there's... I mean, if you really love those characters and want to see them get recruited, it's fine, and you want to see... Our heroes act like jerks, you can. I thought the 
nice thing about this annual were the Derek Robertson written backup stories. I thought both of those were nice little short backup stories that really delved into the characters of the heroes that they were focused on. And I thought it was a pretty cool that it was Derek Robertson writing them. Good. Glad to hear it. I am uh, not signing off. I, I thought, I don't know. I didn't like, it was the old, the first one is about Robbie and a school bully and it's the old, the bully is bullied at home, which right. we had very recently. But when Vance went back and his dad yeah. had the, like that. But, the, this, but what was cool about it is it goes right in step with this who do you want to be moment for the these characters because Robbie is this close to like meeting him after school and blasting him with his powers and and you know he, he actually hunts him down to go to his house to destroy him when he comes out to throw out the trash and it just happens to be that he sees him you know being uh emotionally abused by his father and and realizing that everybody's got baggage you know yeah and his mom had died and so he just is going to put on his leather jacket and bounce out of there. But for but an, I, for an artist to be writing a short little backup to go with a tried and true um, hackneyed theme that we've seen before, he, they executed it and turned it into a speedball thing well enough, I thought. I, I will say I do think the execution as well. I just feel like we had just had this storyline yeah, right. yeah, pretty recently. And I was like, oh, this thing again. And I, it's also one of those storylines that comics loves and movies and everything. And I'm less of a fan of, although I did think they should do a, a parody of this where they just keep going back in time to like the first person ever to be like, because, you know, I'm sure his dad had a bad time and his dad's dad and, dad, and like an infinite regression of like, but, but, no one's the bad guy. They're all just victims. But, but that story also ties, you know, it mirrors the next one, which is about Firestar doing the same thing where she's really yeah. tempted to use her power to destroy some dude for just being a bad dude. But I like that it also was a balance to some of this perving stuff that you've been talking about, because this one, you know, the perv gets his gets his due. Boy, does he look like Peter Parker, too. But on the opening splash of this one, drawn by Brandon McKinney with art uh, inks by Charles Barnett, who I see all the time at the Albany Con over the years, um, uh, I thought that the splash page was done really cool. Like Angelica looks really cool in her costume, and her boots look like um, Sleepwalker's boots. They look cool. <laughs> I thought the I like the faces in this the second backup. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought all the faces were very nice and stylized but expressive i this also felt like one of these after school yes specials a little bit and that the tone was kind of then at the end of like the nova has to give the not all men speech and everything like it just yeah. felt like kind no, of a weird i know but it's, a, but it's visually it's i was the, it's the, a treat it's the artist doing his first stories though and getting a couple <laughs> of try out backups come on <laughs> But yeah, so that was the fun. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I liked having a nice change of pace. It does not feel the art. On that uh, one change of Richard that. pace. Yeah. 
Well, just not the kind of weird, extreme body shifting from panel to panel and yeah. uh, that kind of expressiveness. We'll but yeah, yeah, that was the annual. I mean, you can read it for free online, but I don't know that I would tell people to run down this issue for money. No, I don't have it in the old bunker collection. Oh, I, I got it in a, in a bargain bin years later. But that leads us now we're back to we're back to our regular issue in 52. Here we start to see, uh, I feel like Pace really takes some of this stuff. And we're going to drop down to um, one anchor. Yeah, I think that split. and I think that's what's helping Pace along here, too. And it's helping that the one anchor is Bruce Patterson. He's yeah. a good penciler in his own right. Yeah, we and got just, a lot of big panels here, or he's stretching it all the way down the page. Yes, and so a lot of uh, this is again where you have the extreme stylized body parts, super large. Uh, in comparison to the other one, that's not consistent from panel to panel, but just to add the exaggeration. So I, like I said, while it doesn't always work, I really enjoyed. Hey, you know, swing for the fences, man. Some of these panels work great, some less so for me, but. This starts, which is going to have the two issue one where they're breaking up what they think is a gang. So, but it turns out to be kids playing. Spoiler: It's a uh, the kid has a a squirt gun or whatever, or a fake gun, cap gun. Yeah. Uh, in America, maybe twenty years ago, they mandated that play guns now have to have obvious visual cues to let people know that the you know red caps on the end or whatever so people don't mistake it but asylum mistakes it and drags him into the dark dimension and when he's released from the dark dimension it is fatal he's dead yeah starts with a young kid dying always a great way to kick off your comic book yep he's, he's dead jim and uh impulse this is the one that discovers hey this these are fake guns and powerfully crushes a bunch of plastic <laughs> mm. reminds me of those ones where like they crumble in aluminum can or whatever is something so that's going to set this thing in motion while we have an explanation of rages like increased powers and a cool training sequence with him with impossible proportions punching these you know sensor destroying these sensor things kind of remind me of the old Something like the Fantastic Four would measure the thing's power on, and he would destroy it in the in or, the course of it. Or any number of danger room scenes where they trash <laughs> so much material. And just sort of explaining that, look, when we need him to be really strong, he's going to be strong. But when we need Chimera, for story reasons, to be really good, she's going to be better than him. So it just depends on how we need the plot to go. Hmm. And I thought that was convenient that they would explain that to us. That they did. And then we go, and you know, now they're going to face off a great scene of Night Thrasher and the lawyer. Did you guys like that? Mm-hmm. Where he's this, like, absolutely monstrous figure around her, and she's sticking, got her, you know, chest sticking out and her head up. <laughs> but not in, like, a sexualized way, but, like, in a defying him. Right. Because she's there to defend them from this ridiculous... You know, hey, look, they're superheroes, too. They just goofed a little bit. <laughs> the size of his, like, the gauntlet <laughs> of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Did he have that whole, like, apocalypse, like, armor thing around his neck area? I'm like, when did that? 
become so pronounced. It just seems I... like he's trapped in there and he can't come out. <laughs> yeah. And then I do recommend people run out and get the print version because there is an awesome advertising session section on the ultimate trading card, which has, um, I don't, I don't know how many of you follow the NFL. So this might, if you just skip ahead, if you don't, but it starts with Rick Meyer, <laughs> who's talking to kids about how awesome trading cards are. <laughs> and he goes to John Elway who goes to Troy Aikman, who goes to Boomer Esiason. And the likenesses are good enough. You know, like you can tell who they are. Boomer goes to Warren Moon, who goes to Dan Marino, who goes to Randall Cunningham, who goes to Jim Kelly. And they're all like, oh, trading cards are... And they're all in their iconic cities. So Jim Kelly at the Buffalo Bills is in front of the, the Niagara Falls and stuff like that. And Steve <laughs> Young is... That's near Buffalo. <laughs> has the Golden Gate Bridge behind him, you know, all those things. But I just like that they pin it on Rick Meyer, who was, you know, a somewhat successful... Those other quarterbacks are all, like, Hall of Fame guys or close to it. He was the one that, you know, because he was a new quarterback that you couldn't guess. But, yeah, I just love that, like, oh, trading cards are awesome. Let's talk to my friend Jim Kelly, who also thinks they're... That sort of shameless product promotion is just... You don't get better than that, kids. Nothing like illustrated ads. Yeah. So, um, you know, the rest of the team is unhappy with Asylum, and they tackle him. And the best has to be the coronary Asylum fight. Yeah. Because of the exaggerated notion. And when Asylum grabs him, he, like, stuffs his hand in his mouth, and tendrils are going up his nose. And, like, yeah. His other hand, like, really cool creepy stuff you also see the new warriors issue in the trash here for their fight yeah i really like that page actually where you see that there's it's when they're on patrol looking for asylum first and one of the panels the really has like a mike mignola look to it as the characters are running towards the the reader and then there's a great panel of um uh, what's the dude's name that that was the runner but now he's uh impulse yeah impulse i want to say he's the guy looks like the guy from suicide squad but now they finally have his mask looking like something very different and unique his mask looks so cool in this panel and the the like roll that goes around the, like where his mask meets the rest of his costume and i there's a couple of really nice panels on this page yeah lots of fun the fight between them is cool and as they're fighting the new warriors are going to show up bum, bum, bum. and now we get to see them finally take it out and a great panel of rage wow. like 10 times bigger than he should be at the wow. foreground of the page kapow yeah just i thought this was like wow we really see the improvement of not having 47 anchors and then a great uh you know justice reaching down to the reader i like how all the characters get their shot at asylum and it like knocks off some of the dark force right whether it's rage's yeah. punch or speedball's balls or um what's her face did it with her microwaves uh, earlier firestar and that kind of stuff it's cool the 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 slashy guy slashed it off yeah and then at the end cool um... visuals yeah, very, very exciting. 
and he points out that like you know this the the dark force dimension doesn't kill anybody like it just shows you your fear but, but, I like but didn't it kill a kid so confident oh nothing's yeah. gonna happen to me i've always seen the worst but i don't know if there's a miscommunication but after night thrasher comes out his eyeballs yeah he doesn't look yeah. right <laughs> It, it reminds me of like eyeballs ghostwriter or something like something's <laughs> not right like like he just walked in on his parents doing it or something like yeah, he's like oh <laughs> i can't unsee that <laughs> so they um haul him away and then in a weird panel that i don't understand um it appears the cop that's arresting him says let your lawyer do his job and keep your mouth shut, which seems like a weird, like, I don't think the cops normally advise the suspects that yeah. they should get well, a lawyer. That seems... Just remind you of your rights here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a strange, but anyway, so that's going to lead to the next one of, you know, like Steve says, what's the moral culpability of this character? Uh, as I said, the bullpen bulletins, does these fun like it it's 10 heroes and you match up with their villains like stuff for someone aged like six to eight maybe but then in some of these you see ads for things like clearacell which is pimple cream like i don't another one you draw like the face plate for iron it just seemed like a weird mix of the next one has a, a, a maze that i would not would be embarrassing to be on the back of a sugared cereal box. And I'm like, why are they doing real super little kitty stuff when I don't think little kitties are the, aren't the advertisers paying the big money. For, it was just a strange I think Something's going on at Marvel at the end of 94 guys. You think pepped up on I don't know who the advertisers are confused what they're advertising in, in the first place. That could be, but we, then we end with a panel for, the Justice Four Balance miniseries, four issues. We are not covering that at this point. Um, I Yay. believe it's in the nature of the wow. Night Thrasher Four Control series. Um, the reasons behind this, again, if listeners really want us to, I'll go out. No, it's not expensive <laughs> to get these things. I just don't do it. I try and keep kind of upbeat. I like hype. I like keeping the train going. And I don't want to be cynical, but some of these things just feel like a needless cash-in of the trends. But like I said, happy to be proven wrong or cover it if people want, but we want to keep this thing upbeat and happy and not Preach. Andy griping about uh, Zemo born better. As so the now example. I have to read it to see if you're wrong? Exactly. Now Kevin will read it. Oh, jeez. Not again. Not Kevin again. will read it. Kevin will read anything. Yeah, please. He never read Born Better. He never read the Thunderbolts I read novel. Born Better once. Hey, Mikey, he, he likes it. So that leads us to 53, which again has the problem in the print of 900 card inserts for various... Like, they really were getting good money out of this. Like, this one has the You Can Be Captain Universe thing where you fill out the form and pay the money for 15 bucks. They give you a card that lists you and your stats as Captain Universe. Makes wow. a great gift. They have a little business card insert for subscriptions. Like normally you used to just fill it out on the page, and now it's its whole little card. So it just makes the thing hard to flip through, you know. That's my big takeaway. But anyways, here again with the pace 
being very stylized, which I like in Patterson inks again. In this instance, we have the math math maniac. Mathematician. Mathematician maniac. Mathemaniac. I can't ever get it. Mathematic. Mathematic maniac. And he is really torn up about the death of the young child. So he uses his powers to convince the world that it's still that same day and the kid hasn't been killed. And about half the people believe him, including some of the new warriors. And about half the people in the world don't. So they think it's the same day over and over again. Yeah, this is where I was like, interesting premise, did not see it based in this guy's power set. But I liked it. Yeah. It's clever. That was weird. What's weird is that is the sequence of panels where it zooms in on his eyeball. <laughs> yeah, so you have this whole very trippy, and you don't, as the reader, you have to put it together. They don't explain it on in the beginning about what's going on. Why is the day repeating? And some people believe it, some people don't. Well, look at all those Daily Bugles with the same day, and then one of the Daily Bugles says, Defalco fired again. Yeah. And then uh, the, the 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 gene tech research scientist, the running gag continues about how they're going to get in so much trouble because the math guy is ruining everything and they're really going to take a, a, a beating. One of the scientists has a very cool close-up on his half face with like his glasses and lots of detail work, gritted teeth and everything. I feel like Firestar has gotten some new gloves and boots too. Like they're they're like those buccaneer boots, but they're even more floppy yep. than normal. And then a chain of stores called Venture, which I'd never heard of, was offering a Wolverine Weapon X and a Beast action figure for $10 each. 10-inch deluxe. Wow. 10-inch? Yeah, and I don't know who... I don't know if they're toy biz or who built these things, but I'm like, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they, uh, they have their own stores. Yeah, I don't know if it was quite Toy Biz at this point. Yeah, it must have been, right? But I, but there might have been some other, like, extra yeah. stuff. Because it's just copyright Marvel. They don't have, you know, they yeah. didn't put their copyright on it. And I was unfamiliar with the Venture Toy Chain, so I didn't know if this was an exclusive. But you could spin for a free Marvel poster and buy these cool action figures, 10-inch action figures. I just thought it was neat, like, oh, a toy ad in the middle of my comic book. I approve. And so we're also getting some development of the various characters as well. Rage is in a strange relationship Hmm. because he appears like an adult. He's only 14 and he's now starting to get involved with a 21 year old woman with a four year old daughter. So, you know, that seems strange, but But at least he recognizes that it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. He's not I don't like, know how we're, we're squaring that circle. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over it. Well, he's not in it to win it. Yeah. And then the, the scientist is just grilling our math fiend about hmm. what's going on. Just yeah, say it. It's math-manic. Like it's mathematics. But it's not mathematics. It's math-manic. Uh, this guy needs to be killed in the bar with no name. So I can... <laughs> Uh, we're, we're almost coming up on this famous night thrasher. Oh, I know it's the worst panel here. And so it's night the worst panel ever in a comic. 
and like a three quarter splash with like forearms and thighs that are so cartoonishly bad. large compared to his head. So bad. I'll be posting this online. <laughs> I've already tweeted it out. So bad. And then, like I said, the maze that, you know, I don't. Maybe if you're two years old, you couldn't complete, but really weird choices. And then, so Night Thrasher and Asylum have a double page spread with a mostly three quarter at the top and then yeah. some insert panels. This is this is wild too. What's weird is that we just saw them fighting these guys last issue right and it had the whole big ending with the police and them taking them away in shackles and getting to the whole moral equivalency thing and trying to figure out the legality and now you figure we're going to go to some procedural trial type of issue and yet because of this mathematic dude we're like they're now they're like fighting each other all new as it you know what i mean it's it's just it's yeah, it's de- such deja vuish but that's actually works for what they're going for right because yeah, cause they're re relitigating the battle so to speak yeah and then a cool nova, nova versus diamond head yeah cool uh nova and coronary has nova has a pretty awesome i mean it would be better if it was the double punch that everyone right. knows i love mm-hmm. A vicious, vicious cross to the jaw that skapow. And is Night Thrasher aging? Because all of a sudden he seems gray at the temples, and he seems <laughs> like like Adam, the Blue Marvel. It's because of the mathematic. Oh right, sure he did it. Good, you get your no prize. <laughs> and normally some of this tie-in stuff I would love, but. I would Nabisco release some tins for limited edition Marvel <laughs> tins. Those ones look cool. Like that, that would last. Like, it's not a, like it. Um, I have one of those tins. I have the Spider-Man one. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, uh, I should have thrown out the cookies way before I. Yeah, did. I was gonna say, how do they taste? It's pretty gross. <laughs> you should have a, an unboxing of the cookies. But I kept the tin. Um, yeah. So basically, they need um, a, a justice to go into his mind and mess with them. Well, the, I mean, this mathematics dude—it's not like—it's not like he's one of these reality-changing villains who's on top of things. And you know, you know what I mean? He's when they show him hanging out with the scientist, he's looks sullen and he looks like he's withdrawing he's uh, looks almost like a junkie he looks like he's emaciated and dark so like he hasn't slept in days he's not shaven he is suffering and he's making everyone around him suffer too because he's he needs to change this he it lets you know even how asylum's team own teammates feel that strongly about this act that happened. Pretty heavy. Yeah, and so in in his head, there's also a lot of distortions, which are fun. He's in a graveyard, and he just has trouble, you know, figuring out how to... He views the world in black and white, and how are you going to view it in the, in the shades of gray that are needed? And then he comes across the dead kid, like I said, I think a lot of this is just Vance or the 
the brain bot and how you have to learn from this and let everyone go and hey at least he got a little bit extra time with his family yeah before that though he's, it's like a zombie infestation that he's got to deal with alone where it's all the dead coming to him and saying like well why not me too yeah bring me a lot and and the um weight of the responsibility of being able to do that you know you can't you shouldn't even if you have the power some things you shouldn't mess with andrew yeah unless you're mutants super steve is one of them i wouldn't mess with him (laughs) and so then it ends with a nice uh, they give fabian a, a column and a half to kind of be like thanks everybody this book isn't selling well enough for me to hang out on it so i'm leaving I thought it seemed a little rude. I mean, you know, you don't have to say that you don't make enough money to stay on the book, so you're giving it to your assistant. You could have dressed it up a little bit more. Isn't this when he would go and write? Isn't like isn't he in X Land now that he couldn't be writing these yeah. other books where he's like writing both X books? I was yeah. kind of wondering about that too. Yeah. He um he says, "Oh, I have a new kid, and I want to spend more time." But he does expressly mention the diminishing sales on the book. Like he did some math and like yeah I'm not making enough on this so I'm bailing. Yeah, try Uh, one yet. And yet he'll move over to Thunderbolts eventually. They're uh, still cross promoting uh, Nova and Night Thrasher as well, which makes sense. The the sister tells. But there we go. That was the end of Fabian's run. Well, you missed the teaser for next episode. Yeah, we'll see. There's there's this guy in the shadow who has these spiky arm things. And he's like, oh, we got to do something now. Are the preparations ready? And he's like, Mwahaha, sort of. No. And you're like, what does that mean? Hmm. He also has these these spiky teeth. <laughs> well, there we, I thought it was, uh, like I said, some of the mixing of elements don't, uh, real world elements don't always work. But I thought the art was super interesting in all of these and the storytelling and even when it doesn't work who can't like they swung for the fun they did some fun stuff some crazy panels like i'm all about experimenting especially in the 90s like that's when the best stuff of it so far i've seen is the stuff where they just go completely unhinged well the thing is it's kind of like pace is is like a fill-in artist in between arcs because you're gonna get a regular penciler soon enough I wasn't happy enough with the conclusion of the, like, we, we got this reality warping issue where then the end of it is the dude, you know, restoring reality, but we didn't get a resolution to the whole asylum thing and the use of unintended force and culpability and all, like, since they had... A couple of issues, three issues, right? And a annual? Or two issues and an annual? Couldn't yeah. they maybe have swapped and have the one of the issues be the getting the band together and then let the annual let for more story? Maybe the annual's the conclusion where they can let this whole thing breathe and give us some of what... I mean, maybe the next writer picks up and does what happens to all these characters, but... I kind of felt like the guy who set up the scenario should have had a, you know, 
it would be nice if it was a clever conclusion, but uh, some sort of stamp of what he wanted to say there. But that's just me wanting a, a thinking more like a reader from the last 20 years where when the writer leaves the book, the arc ends and there's going to be a whole new status quo next issue, you know. Maybe the writer picks up where this one leaves off with that stuff. Well, I like that it was clearly noted, like he put in his little call, like this wasn't one of those where suddenly it's like a new team <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Like, it's nice that they were able to be like, oh, thank you, everybody. I'm moving on type of thing. Made it work. Kevin, do you recall what you were thinking when you were reading this at the time? I remember 51 being pretty pretty cool and i was like oh yeah the mad thinker's back yep then as we get to 52 like i remember less and we get to 53 and i'm like i don't remember any of this at all i've I've already forgotten it we just just i thought that night thrasher panel might have stayed oh yeah well no no not really and then like the art got better than some of those fill-ins we had from that other episode but I yes. didn't remember how. I, I guess you're exposed to so much '90s artwork, and that's just the norm. So some of this stuff, like nowadays, you're like, "Wow, look at that!" But when you were just consuming it on a daily basis, I don't know. Some of it doesn't really stick out to you. You're just like, "Oh yeah, that's how it is." But I, I definitely remember some of the stuff coming up. Well, we don't have much left of the original run uh, we, you know we like i said last annual this series kicks out and got another 20 some odd issues to go so well i keep on hinting that we're gonna have to make some decisions yes hard decisions <laughs> hopefully we can continue to lure super steve back into reading some exciting new warriors books i mean and... I, don't, I don't really remember like I, I wasn't familiar with the writer that comes on, but I, I, I remember enjoying the, the rest of the series. Well, you certainly know Patrick Zercher, who's going to have a. But that's what I mean. Like, how good is that? On. That's another link there to our Thunderbolts coverage. Yeah, that should be pretty exciting to check that out. I look at New Warriors for the art, not the articles. <laughs> <laughs> No, and we'll have to see. Well, I mean, maybe the story got like lost and all these crossovers, and I feel like we come back to like, well, I guess I shouldn't say that completely. I mean, there is some, but you get some more individual stuff, so that's good. All right, well, we'll see what we do. I mean, maybe Marvel Noise will be different after episode four hundred. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be wearing a hat. <laughs> Wait, I thought we were I'll gonna. Be... Do a bunch of point episodes, Steve. So, <laughs> so 400, it never goes past 400, just 400.1, yeah. point point 0.2, point 0.3. Yeah, 400.00. Zero, zero. Point Age of Ultron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until your rubber ducky is revealed to be Primus. <laughs> Make mine Marvel. Later. <laughs> Oh, wow. Eat that
bulky, over bulky, kinda hulky superhero. Got two fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Superpowered from the forehead to the toes. Watch them change their very shape before you know. Superhero, they're the latest, they're the greatest ultimate.